0: Welcome to the November Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Graham and a partner in the Pensions Team, and I have with me Julia Ward, our professional support lawyer. Today the topics we're going to look at include whether retrospective equalisation is possible, some GMP equalisation guidance that's been published and the pensions regulator's approach to chair statements which do not meet all of their requirements. Firstly, however, Julia will take a look at the recent Pension Schemes Bill.
1: Thanks, Graham. The Pension Schemes Bill was published in October. The government has since confirmed that following the dissolution of Parliament on the sixth of November, ahead of the general election, the bill will make no further progress. However, it appears that the bill has cross-party support and so is likely to be brought forward after the general election. As a result, we will consider some of the headline points from the bill. The bill proposes to extend the circumstances in which the pensions regulator can pierce the corporate veil and impose liability for deficits in defined benefit pension schemes on companies which do not actually participate in the scheme. The regulator currently has the power to do this in certain circumstances by issuing a contribution notice. The bill adds an additional two grounds to when a contribution notice can be imposed. In addition, three new criminal offences are proposed. The first is that it will be a criminal offence if there is a failure to comply with a contribution notice, The second is that there will be an offence if there is a course of conduct that prevents the recovery of the whole or part of a debt due by the employer to a defined benefit pension scheme. Finally, it will be a criminal offence if there is an act that detrimentally affects in a material way the likelihood of scheme benefits being received. The latter two carry potential prison sentences of up to seven years in addition to a fine. Certain actions will also now attract fines of up to a million pounds including failing to notify the regulator of events that legislation prescribes should be notified or knowingly or recklessly providing the regulator or a trustee with false or misleading information in certain circumstances. The bill also makes changes in other areas including imposing additional requirements on trustees of defined benefit pension schemes with regards to funding and investment strategy. It also provides a framework for collective money purchase pension schemes and for the introduction of pension dashboards.
0: Thanks Julia. The next topic we want to cover is retrospective equalisation and whether or not it's possible. The Court of Justice of the European Union handed down its decision in the case of Safeway and Newton. In that case, the scheme purported to equalise retirement ages of male and female members with an announcement, but only amended the rules to reflect this sometime afterwards. The question raised was, essentially, whether equalisation could be effected retrospectively or not. The Advocate-General's decision reflected the general industry understanding that equalisation could not be validly achieved retrospectively. However, the decision of the European Court has potentially muddied the waters in this area. The Court held that, whilst legal certainty generally precludes retrospectivity, retrospective equalisation may be possible if, in addition to respecting the legitimate expectations of the persons concerned, those measures are warranted by an overriding reason in the public interest. The court cited an example of where the public interest might allow retrospective equalisation, being where it was necessary to prevent the financial balance of the pension scheme from being seriously undermined. This decision therefore casts some doubt on the premise that retrospective equalisation is never permissible. Those schemes which have an amendment power that allows retrospective amendments, and which may previously have attempted to equalise retrospectively, may want to consider revisiting whether they fall within the financial balance exception. However, having said that, one clear word of warning, the case offers scant guidance as to the extent of that exception, so it is all up for grabs.
1: Thanks Graham. We'll now look at GMP Equalisation. The Pensions Administration Standards Association has published guidance prepared by its GMP Equalisation Working Group. This addresses common issues arising from the implementation of GMP Equalisation following the landmark High Court judgment in the Lloyds Bank case last year. The Pensions Ombudsman has suggested it will refer to the good practice standards contained in the guidance when reviewing complaints. The guidance looks at correcting past underpayments, including the possibility of forfeiture of equalisation payments. The guidance also discusses whether schemes must equalise transferred-in benefits, and the onus on members to show disadvantage in those cases. We expect to have more clarity on this point following the upcoming High Court hearing in the Lloyds Bank case in Spring 2020, which is expected to consider the liability of transferring schemes.
0: And for our final topic, we'll look at chair Statements that do not meet all of the Pension Regulator's requirements. The Regulator has released an intervention report on its enforcement activity concerning two Master Trust schemes. The Regulator had imposed the maximum penalty of £2,000 against the professional trustee of each scheme for failing to issue an annual chair Statement that met all of TPR's requirements. Each scheme appealed to the First Tier Tribunal for reconsideration of the penalty notices. The tribunal upheld the maximum penalty imposed on one of the schemes, but was more lenient than TPR on the other. In respect to the latter scheme, TPR had determined that the relevant chair statement breached three of the seven key requirements. Conversely, the tribunal found that only one of the key requirements had been breached, and that that breach was minor in nature. While there may have been deficiencies in meeting the other two requirements, the tribunal found that the trustee's conduct had to be assessed against the standards communicated by TPR at the relevant time. A material factor was that the scheme had issued its chair statement before the regulator's more detailed guidance on chair statements had been released. In light of its findings, the tribunal determined that the minimum penalty of five hundred pounds should apply instead of the maximum two thousand pound penalty. Interestingly, the tribunal also considered the mandatory nature of penalties under the chair statement regime, which requires TPR to issue a penalty even if failure is inadvertent or wholly excusable, to be an oddity. Harsh and inflexible, and potentially ultra-virus.
1: That's all for this month's podcast. Further topics and detail on all of these subjects discussed can be found in the November snapshot, our briefing on whether retrospective equalisation is possible and from your usual Stevenson-Harwood Pensions Law Team contact. Thanks for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative and don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Stevenson-Harwood website.